everybody. Natasha Rosewood back here again today. Happy Easter. Uh, whether you are of the Christian faith or not, this is a time for new beginnings. And today we are going to be talking about heaven or hell. While you're um, hibernating with your family, um, it might be going through some challenges. So my guest today is Darlene Turner, and we're going to be talking about the way out of abuse. Five Keys to Recovering Your Inner Power, and much, much more. So we'd love it if you join us, especially if you're going through something. Just come on this program and ask us your questions, comment, and uh, let us know if you need help right now. Um, so while we're in hibernation, um, you know, many of us are going to be having squirrely moments, whether we're sane or insane. Uh, but what if you are living with an abuser? Um, maybe you are the abuser or sometimes you abuse, you don't want but you're having a moment where uh, you just lash out and you're really sorry afterwards um, or you may be doing this on a regular basis. Um, how can you manage your own emotions so you don't lash out? So let's start this conversation toward healing. So I'm Natasha Rosewood, as I say, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a spirit healer intuitive coach, quantum healer, past life regressionist, author, you name it, in the metaphysical world, it's all about healing. So um, this is a very big topic for me. Uh, it's brought one very close to my heart because those of you who know me and have asked me how I became psychic, the short story is always, well, if my mother hadn't been psycho, I wouldn't be psychic. And while that was absolute pure hell going through that situation, it wasn't just my mother. And what I realized much, much later on was that she was part of a system. And so was my um, emotionally um, or uh, emotionally unavailable father. And so were my brothers and sisters who were bullies. They were verbally abusive. So I, I'll just tell you this quick story, which made me think of this topic. Uh, when I was about eight or nine years old, our whole family went on a holiday and we stayed in what we call an English caravan, what you might call a camper or an RV in Canada. It was very small. And the six of us, it rained the whole week, and the six of us were trapped inside this small space. And my parents argued and they raged at us all week, and it was just absolute hell. And I've just been thinking of anybody that's in the situation right now, uh, I want to give you some tools to empower you and help you through this. And Darlene Turner has very kindly agreed to come on. One thing I want to say before we begin, um, before I introduce Darlene, is also to remember, and I've learned this in my practice, is that all of us have a four-year-old child in us. Whether we're four years old or 64, there's probably a wounded child that's going, what about me? And I'm not good enough and feeling very hurt and maybe angry and resentful. So when you are yelling or somebody is yelling at you, remember it's a four-year-old child in them that's doing that. So if you can remember to have some compassion for yourself and for that person, maybe that will uh, somewhat take the edge off it. Um, and out of all of this, um, there was a happy ending for myself. It did take me a lot of years to overcome that abuse, but now I am happily married, and I have turned that 
uh, lemon into a lemonade. So I've turned all that abuse and used it to create a practice where I can help to empower others. And I want to thank Darlene Turner for coming today because she has done the very self-same thing. Welcome, Darlene, and thank you for being with, with us. Um, if it's okay, I can just going to read your brief bio. I know there's a lot to you. And uh, I want to thank you for being such a brave soldier and coming through all of this. And you probably, when you were up in heaven before you came down here, you said, I want to go back there and help people. And they said, are you sure? You might have to go through a hell before you get there. And said, oh, yeah, bring it on. And now you're going, what was I thinking? I could have had a V8. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Darlene has found the hero within herself through the trauma of two previous marriages. Over a span of 27 years, she has experienced firsthand what it's like being held frozen with fear and the tremendous courage it takes to leave that situation. She has been caught in the cycle loop and understands why it happens and what it takes to end that cycle of abuse. Now through utilizing many healing modalities on her clients, Darlene is able to lift trauma and pain from the body. That's quite a gift, Darlene. She also works with shifting beliefs and the patterns they create to form a solid foundation of self-love for her client and self-worth. On a deeper level, Darlene helps end soul contracts and clearing all negativity. She empowers clients to move forward with confidence. Thankfully, Darlene is now happily married to her dear husband, Michael, who is the producer on this show. Hi, Michael. And they now offer free workshops called uh, The Way Out, Five Keys to Recovering Your Inner Power. But Darlene's going to be talking more about the workshops at the end of the show. The first step, however, is to begin the conversation about abuse so we can all end the silence and the shame. So while this short interview won't heal all ills, the first step to healing is to start the conversation about the isolation and the shame, right? To begin the empowerment process and to give you some coping skills. So let's become more aware of how we can take better care of ourselves so we can take better care of our children and we don't pass on this cycle. Right, Darlene? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my first question to you, and um, I'm sure everybody has their own version of this, but why do we abuse each other? Why is it happening? Well, um, a lot of it comes, like you talked about, that inner child. And when we witness our, maybe our parents abusing each other back when we were children, maybe we were abused um, back in those days. And I've talked to ladies in their 60s or 70s or so, and they're like, well, that was just the normal. Like, that was just how we treated each other. Anybody ever watch Archie Bunker? <laughs> you know, and those shows? <laughs> proves that you know it was very degrading for women and um, very abuse abusive relationships and so that's kind of the foundation that um, at least my generation and that kind of growing up and um, so then from that space if, if we've experienced abuse or in my my way it was uh, very controlling religion so it was very fear-based controlling suppressed and so that was just my normal that's what I knew so when I I left home, that's exactly the relationship I went into because that was natural. And, and um, so from that place, a lot of times we just show up not knowing why we are doing what we're doing. And um, it just feels comfortable, but very uncomfortable. So yeah. when we kind of get into that, um, 
the person that is doing the abuse a lot of times has this built up frustration or this, you know, um, feeling hurt way back from a child, like you said, and doesn't know how, how to release those emotions and um, in a healthy way and work through it. So they get aggressive at other people. Yeah. So one way for sure is huge. So it's kind of generational then it gets passed down through, yeah. the, through the generations. Yeah. Um, and also, that a lot of times there could be mental issues. And, and I truly, as I look back to my first husband, I really believed he did have a mental issue. Um, and so that's another reason. Um, another reason is alcohol is huge, right? Um, that's the way spirits get in. And uh, yeah, well, my mother, I come from an English background, as you know. And the English, even today, I notice when I go back, I go, wow, English people are really mean to each other. You know, some of it's kind of couched in humor, and that's great if it really is coming from a teasing, loving place. But I know growing up, it was very difficult for me uh, because, uh, like you say, it was kind of in the culture, and my mother would say, oh, they're just teasing you. But it's like it hurt, it really hurt. And years later, we found out that uh, my mother did become an alcoholic. Uh, she was very psychic and she was very psycho. And I think now they would be maybe uh, um, analyze her as having had a personality disorder. But what was difficult for me, and this kind of leads into a later question, but um, she was so charming to everybody else. And if I could never say anything against her because people would say, Oh, your mother's so lovely. And I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I try in the beginning saying, oh, she's a bitch, you know, <laughs> this and this and And I'd be like, Arr. you know, I just couldn't uh, fight back. There was no way to fight back and nobody was there to support me. So I was really on my own. Um, so does that come up a lot? You know, these, these people are very charming on the outside but really abusive on the inside. Yeah, that's kind of how I got sucked into my first marriage and the second one, actually. It was that they were charming. I was very young on my first marriage. and Uh-oh. Are, are we frozen, Darlene? Okay. I think we're losing contact with Darlene. So I'm just going to carry on talking for a while. I think Michael can probably uh, fix that. Um, and so... My question had been to Darlene, where does the abuse begin? And we talked about uh, generational stuff. And I know as a psychic, when I get a lot of clients uh, who come to me, uh, I will notice that their, um, their issues have started with the ancestors. And I will often feel the spirits of their ancestors around my client. And I will say, you know, if you work on healing this, whether it's an addiction, alcohol, or it's an abusive kind of disposition or something that's been passed on down the family, which we all have family issues that travel down through the lineage. It's kind of like the DNA of our soul. And until you really work on that, you become aware of it. Like Darling was saying, I think a lot of time we're unconsciously abusing or unconsciously allowing ourselves to be abused because that's what's familiar to us. Uh, we need to first wake up to the fact that this is not good, this is not healthy, it can feel familiar, but it's not comfortable, like Darlene said. So um, it's very important that we all become awake 
to our behaviors. We may want to check in, especially at this time as we're going through this hibernation of um, how am I behaving in my family? You may want to sit around the table at night and say, hey, am I saying anything that hurts you or that irritates you? Because it works, there's a two-way street here. And this might be an opportunity for a really healing time. Um, and you know, what happened in my family too, because uh, I was number four out of five children, uh, that abuse kind of traveled down. So I was very aware that my grandfather, my mother's father, was very cool and would put my mother down all the time and say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not as good as your mother. And then outside of the home, he would brag about his daughter. But my mother didn't know that. So she almost grew up with a, a split personality where she felt the imposter self was this charming brilliant, pretty woman, but the inner self was nothing, that she was not good enough, she was worthless. And a lot of abusers and abusees will have that sense of feeling like nothing because that's what they've been told who they are. So um, hopefully we can get uh, Darling back. I suspect that they've lost their Wi-Fi, uh, so I'm just going to carry on. Um, so what are the signs of an abuser when you meet somebody? And because my mother was an alcoholic, and this is when I was much younger, unconscious, uh, I did go to, to um, Children of Alcoholics, um, uh, Al-Anon, and um, I learned that uh, probably I would either marry out an alcoholic or become an alcoholic. And I was in my mid-30s before I even knew that my mother was an alcoholic. I thought alcoholic for people that were just down in the bad part of town and falling about red-faced and drunk. And I didn't realize how sophisticated and sneaky uh, alcoholics can be. I used to find bottles of sherry in the laundry basket. Well, what's that doing that? And it was my mother, due to her shame, uh, hiding that. So what are the signs that you're that you could be with an abuser? Very early on um, in relationships, at least romantic relationships, they'll often be very charming, like I said. They'll, they're often very brilliant. Abusers are very brilliant. And um, they will um, often be very complimentary and be amazing and be very attentive to you. But then slowly you might notice that there's a kind of a passive-aggressive humor or there might be a jealousy or they might be criticizing how you look. Hi, Darlene. Glad to have you back. Can you hear me? I I don't know what happened, but yeah, I'm back. I've just been hopefully not talking to myself, but talking to my audience. So I was still on the, uh, and I'll let you take over from this. I was saying, what are the signs uh, of an abuse? And I, I know, having come from a, my mother being having been an alcoholic, that I was attracted. I, I did end up with people that drank a lot. So can you take over from that? Yeah, well, some of the signs are definitely uh, rudeness to others, um, changes when drinking, um, and definitely it's it's kind of all about them, you know, and their feelings, what's going on, and it, it seems like 
it's almost like we're serving them in so many ways and trying to keep them, you know, don't get angry, keeping the peace, keeping things running smoothly. And then, you know, if they do get angry, then they're like usually turn to you and say, you know, if you wouldn't have done this and that, and then, it, and then you, you just kind of feel like, oh, it's my own fault. I'll try harder. I'll do better. And um, that's kind of a big chunk of the, the, cycle and when that happens we just feel powerless in those relationships and for me it was a huge fear base um i was terrified to leave because he threatened me um that you know that would pretty much be my life if i left and uh early on in the stages of the relationship i w had heard on the news about a women's shelter that the man went in and shot the woman right in the shelter. Oh so right off the bat, I think it was maybe 17 when I heard that, it was just like, there's just not an option to go to a shelter. The one time I did call the police, he just brought my daughter out in his arms and he's like, oh, honey, you know, you're just overreacting. Look, you woke up the, the baby and, you know, and, and so they just laughed like they are. <laughs> Very sneaky, right? Very yeah. sneaky. Um, and I want to talk just a little bit here about, um, you know, when I'm talking about manifestation and people are always asking me, Natasha, when am I going to meet my soulmate? And I always say, well, like attracts like. Mm -hmm. So, or complementary energy. So I always look at the victim and the abuser. And to me, that's complementary energy. So the abuser is always looking for somebody that is already maybe feeling a little powerless or not good as not as good as or not good enough. And um, they kind of pick on those. So how can you, if you're feeling uh, not worthy and you're aware that you're attracting, I want to say these bullies or abuser type people, uh, how can you kind of protect yourself from that? Have you got any suggestions for that? Well, I really recommend people just starting with a relationship with themselves because that's that's once I finally got out of that cycle and I, I found, I call it my Buddha up the mountain, and I spent five, six years there and I just meditated. I got to know who I was because we lose ourselves in these relationships and we're just so busy trying to keep the peace, the calm. And, and so a big, big part of it is just fall in love with ourselves and, and really get to know ourselves and work on those things that like create that codependency in relationships so that we can come into a relationship um, not even feeling like we need to be in a relationship because a lot of times people go into a relationship thinking, oh, this person is going to complete me or this person is this and that and, and I need that, right? So be able to give ourselves what we're looking for on the outside because like you mentioned, how it is on the inside is a reflection on the outside. So if you have all these abandonment issues and worth issues and all these things that are, are the basis of how we show up in life, then those are the people that are going to come in and show it to us <laughs> so that we have a chance to overcome yeah. it, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, the big question is, Natasha, when am I going to meet my soulmate? And I say, well, when you're ready. And I say, well, how will I know? They ask, how will I know when I'm ready? I said, when your soulmate appears. Because when you're in the right frequency and you, you, I call it the authentic self. And I went through that same thing for years. Oh, I've got to find Prince Charming. He's going to save me. He's going to completely, I'll be, I'll be happy then, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I finally gave up, I went, oh, that's never going to work. I'm just going to carry on, do my life. That's when my wonderful husband showed up. And that was pretty late on. So I was a bit of a slow learner. As my brother said, a late learner. Um, so... I know there's a horrendous amount of uh, 
statistics. The statistics are very high about the numbers of abuse. And while we call them statistics, which is a horrible word to say, by the way, um, we're talking about people's stories. So, but just for the for the sake of this show, what are the numbers? Okay, well, people who are abused. Some of it written down here, but I, I just want to talk about most recent. This winter, I was, um, I don't hardly ever listen to the news. And just this one day, I decided I was in my grandson's room and he had a TV. I was like, I'm going to put it on the news. And wouldn't you know it, I catch this one piece about domestic violence in Alberta. They had turned away 23,000 women last year because they didn't have enough room in their shelter. So that was a huge eye-opener for me. For those women that finally have the courage to, like, get out of this relationship yes. and get help and be turned down, like, you, you can kind of understand how so many end up homeless or, you know, because it's just, if you're out, there's not an op option to go back because, you know, the repercussions of leaving in the first place can be pretty horrendous. And yeah. uh, a lot of those statistics are women running for their lives or fleeing for their lives. Uh, so I wanted to bring that up. It says, um, when I did look up the statistics for the show, it said 24 people per minute are victims of rape or physical violence. And I think this may be around the world or there, or they could have been just um, Canada or US. 50% yeah. of women and 4% of men, men have been injured. That's one in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Wow. So it's pretty huge. And then children of witness violence of is 22%. Nearly one in four are filed in courts. Now these numbers are even scarier because there's only one third of them actually reported. So yeah. there's so much that they just don't even get reported or go to the police because like we, we kind uh -huh. of talked about, there's so much shame and, and um, guilt and <laughs> wrapped you know, around it, right? Yeah, yes, yes. I mean, I know... Um, my mother was really at her her worst. Uh, I I felt very ashamed. Uh, you know, I came from a middle class family in England, and in England you either sane or you're you're a dingbat, you're nuts. And so I wasn't about to admit that my mother was a Looney Tune because there was kind of a stigma then uh, about that. And although there's a lot more information out there, I think it's still uh, very kind of um, I want to say humiliating to kind of come forth, admit that, you know, you've got this going on in your family. But to me, it feels like it's more, it's, it's more, the, it's more common than people living in a healthy family environment. Well, you know, and I've been doing these workshops and it's pretty surprising how many people say, oh, I wanted to show up or, you know, but our numbers have been low just for the fact that I think a lot of people think, well, I haven't physically been uh, abused. So, you know, it doesn't really count, you know, but emotional and mental abuse are just as bad as physical abuse. Yes. And that's, there's yeah. a clear understanding around that. Thank you for bringing that up because I did the same thing. You know, I was hearing stories in workshops of women being raped or uh, being beaten or locked in a room for days and went, oh, you know, my mother was a bit mean to me. It was nothing. But it I didn't realize the damage, it, the verbal and the cruelty had done. And I was probably in my mid-40s before I really got over it, mm -hmm. really got over it. And, you know, I went for counseling. When I came to Canada, thank God for Canada because – I had to emigrate to get away from my mother. <laughs> it's like 
as there's an ocean between us and finally I felt like thank god I'm safe and then I started the healing process but I realized in my 30s I was in a state of uh, PTSD I was I was sleeping and I was I couldn't function and you know I, I kept remembering her voice was still very fresh in my head and I kept thinking oh it wasn't that bad Natasha you know get over yourself but you know it, it's not about comparing your pain to other people because it is what it is to you and I did lose my whole family you know I lost my whole family because of that because we all it was like a bomb dropped in the middle and we all scattered to the four winds and so it was very sad actually uh, so it's not about comparing how bad was your story to somebody else's it is what it is to you and plus we all have a different kind of uh, emotional and mental makeup in how we deal with these things yeah and and, and uh, you know what do you think I'm just going to ask you this question uh, what was it for you that finally gave you the courage to kind of say, okay, I'm really done now, I'm out of here? Well, I want to just break it up into two because the first marriage, I stayed 17 years and I'm talking, it, I was frozen with fear. Like it was at this point where I couldn't even, I had my youngest daughter in the bedroom with me and we were shaking so bad. He was freaking right out on my oldest daughter. She was about 14. And I could not leave that room to go and defend her. And um, because of the level of fear that I had experienced in the 17 years. And so in that tear and in that night is when I actually was able to tap into my courage and say, enough, I can't do this. And so I was able to call the police and finally walk through that fire of fear and get out. And then it was like, he lost all the power. It was just like, I got on the other side and it was just like, whoo, clear out. Uh, you know, just a whole yes. feeling. But then yes. when I went into that repeated cycle of the second one, all the signs were there. And somehow I just like, oh, he'll change. He'll get better. He's going to go to AA. He's getting counseling, you know, whatever. And, you know, it, it came to a point that I, I read actually Wayne Dyer's book of inspiration. And I don't know if you've ever read a book that changed everything. Well, that book was it for me. And I yeah. just like realized how I had based my whole life on fear and how I was repeating this pattern. And I, and I tapped into this love and reconnected because I had shut the door on God because of the religion as a childhood. So um, I was still having a little issues using the word God, but I could do source and I could do divine. And, and, I, and once I mm -hmm. did that, I went back like, cause I read the book on a camping trip and I went back in home and went into the relationship and I didn't fit anymore because I had changed. I had found my value in that self love and it was just like, okay, it doesn't work anymore. So I was able to get out. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Those turning points, and I, I'm glad you brought that up too because I've been reading spiritual books and have been reading spiritual books probably since I was 15, anything on metaphysics, and I was trying to figure it out, trying, what's, why is my mother, you know, behaving the way she is and, and why is this happening to our family? And it wasn't until I was about 35 living in Kitsilano in Vancouver, and one Sunday afternoon I was watching this show on PBS, John Bradshaw. And he, to me, I would have kissed the man if I could have le leapt into that TV screen because he explained that we're all part of the system. I, my mother had been saying, it's all your fault, it's all your fault. And I was walking around with this big thing on my back going, oh, my God, I'm just wicked and I'm nasty and evil and I've caused all this horrible chaos. And then he said, no, it's we're in a system. 
And we, as human beings, adapt to the system. So the victim walks on eggshells, so not to upset the, you know, the abuser. And, and even the abuser is adapting to the system by going, oh, there's a victim there, and poof, we come together. So it's like until you break that system, which is what you did, which is so amazing, it's going to stay the same. Yeah. I say nothing changes until you change. Yeah. how you think and how you behave, right? So I congratulate you, darling, because it is still a very courageous thing to do, uh, especially if you've been, you know, brought up in that environment. So we all know that the, the numbers are very high. How does it affect, how does abuse affect people physically and emotionally? And I want to say psychically too. Well, if you've experienced trauma physically, this can get locked into our bodies and cause chronic pain. And also our bodies will be telling us a message. So uh, within my first marriage and some of my second, I had huge lower back issues, like literally laying on the floor six months, <laughs> twice, two years in a row, showing, trying to tell me I don't have that support. It's my root. It's my foundation. It's fear, right? And so definitely this message is coming from the body when we have that chronic pain and trauma being stuck there in the cellular level of the any kind of um, abuse to the body. So that's one thing around the abuse. Um, and then psychologically and um, emotionally, that basis of living in fear and terror, it really... Um, escalates our nervous system so we're, we have a harder time just staying calm a lot of times it's easy to get triggered uh just a sound for me it was cowboy boots going up and down the hallway and me being in a room right so um so that happens and and also just we have low confidence or self-esteem so it's kind of like we shy away from um being able to stand in who we are and have that confidence and that inner power and yeah all of that kind of leads up to how we're showing up in life like i mentioned before um yeah yeah because i i tell people you know i mean i joke about it my mother had been psycho and be psychic but i feel like i was uh always on fight or fight or flight like, you know, I was tuned in to my mother's moods and I could tell her patterns and, uh oh, she's going to blow in like about 15 minutes. I could really time it. And my body would like oh, freeze, start to freeze up. Um, do you have any suggestions? I know we're going to go into this a bit more later, but do you know, do you have any little like little tools that you can give people that are dealing with that kind of um, apart from running like hell <laughs> uh, to deal with that in the moment? Well, definitely, if you are in a violent situation, get out. Like, yes. literally, like, I, I was so many times when he held my life in his hands. And um, today is just, uh, I, you know, so I'm so lucky I got out because literally he committed murder a year later. So <laughs> it was definitely possible. Um, so that's one thing is, is if you're in that much get out just wherever go to a friend's your parents to a shelter just reach out um and then the next thing is if it it's not quite so bad and it's you know you're working through some stuff calming the nervous system down i one of the tools that was so valuable to me was finding my happy place and my happy place is locking myself in the bathroom and running a huge tub of water and just soaking in that hot water and calming my nervous system down 
that was one of my biggest tools. Um, sometimes if you can just get away, go for a walk, get in nature, um, down by a lake, like all of that really helps clear, lay on the ground, lean against a tree. Um, trees really recycle our, our stuff and help relieve a lot of the pain, even chronic pain like we talked about, leaning against mm -hmm. the um, So grounding, that helps. Um, definitely getting some sessions done and working on that beliefs and patterns. And another tool is to really go into uh, create yourself, if you can, in your house, a sacred, safe place that you can go and just meditate, tap into that self-love and start building that strength up of that inner power and that connection to your heart, because that's where you're going to start finding your courage and finding your, your confidence to, um, and then as you bring down your nervous system within that and through breath work. Um, through that so we do breath work with that as well mm -hmm. um, then we can get our intuition and when we calm the nervous system down all the other organs function so we can think properly and the heart works and the stomach works and all these things come mm -hmm. into alignment once we calm the nervous system down and then we can hear the intuition saying okay you need to go here you need to do this or whatever it is but when we're yeah. in flight we don't hear anything what i want to talk about right now and uh this is just off, off the top of my head, is in my situation when I was, and I was a teenager, I wasn't little, little when this was really bad, um, is, is having an ally. And I didn't have an ally. Like my, my rest of my family went, oh, no, it's not really happening. You know, you're making it up. You're just being uh, a spoiled child. Um, you know, and sometimes my grandmother could be my ally. My younger brother was an ally because he was definitely, but he was away. So um, can, can that ally be um, a friend or an aunt or a grandmother or a cousin? You know, would you suggest if those, if children especially don't have an ally in the family or a friend, that where would, what, what would you suggest they do? Go to like the kid's phone, kid's line? Yeah, there's definitely a helpline on, on the the phone there's um, coming up on the screen uh, and when school's in reach out to your teacher and reach out to those ones that can actually help and, and say you know what it's not safe at home it's whatever it is there's not a, a good environment for me there and I love what you said about you know an aunt an uncle believe it or not in my second marriage it was his parents that I ran down to stay wow. with weeks and then I'd go back up and you know just doing that return thing back and forth um but yeah really uh, finding a safe person just to even talk about you know like it, it is um a process and as much as I know our friends want to like we'll just get out it doesn't somehow happen that way some reason we stay in it till we're done and when we're done we're done and that's when we draw the line in the sand and say enough but yeah and I think it's very important, and I find this a lot in my practice, when anybody's had any kind of bad experience, is, and it can be anything, not necessarily abuse, but just to validate. And that's what I didn't get. Nobody validated me. They all thought I was making it up. And, you know, in the end, you start to think, am I the crazy one? Am I making it up? So I think if, uh, if there are people out there who are listening to this who are the allies who or are like – are even in doubt about is my nephew making this up? Are they telling stories that they do at first go with validating and then see what comes out of that rather than going with, 
I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt first rather than doubting them first. Does that make any sense, darling? Yeah. 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 I think that's so important. Did you get who who validated you? Your you say your your husband's parents? Yeah, that was the second time. The first relationship I didn't have anybody. It was it was nobody knew. Like I didn't have he had me so isolated. I didn't really have one friend, but that was about it. I lived the daytime work. I was the happy go lucky girl, the nighttime nightmare, you know, in the evening time. And so that that's kind of how it happens. But I, I did want to just mention one thing around this with kind of the secrecy part of things is that some women are actually in relationships where their husband or it can be the man with the woman. Um, they are actually in a community figure, the, the, the person that is the abuser. So it could be a police officer, a politician, a firefighter. And it's very hard to actually speak up against you know, about what's going on with those ones that have that authority figure in the community. And that piece, like you said, whether they even believe her or they, you know, or their family members even believe her because usually they have their own face they put out to the public, but it's a different story when you're at home alone. You know, it, it also begs the question is maybe in society because abuse is so rampant and so hidden that uh, women who can do the rescuing or, or anybody that can do the rescuing, uh, the, the people that are being abused kind of need a secret code. You know, they need certain words to communicate uh, so that we are on alert. Because how, if you're not, if, was there anybody in your world, that any other women that were looking at you and going, are you okay, darling, or is something going on at home? Was anybody picking up no. on that? No, no, but I do have one friend right now that can even open any of my stuff. Like her, her guy checks her phone. He's abusive. She can't even look at anything that I have. Like we'll meet and I'll have a session. She'll have a session. <laughs> what we share, you know, what we do. But then we can have a private conversation. But yeah, there's there's lots of people out there that just I I didn't have anybody. I I, I was just too terrified to, you yeah. know reach out what 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 suggestion would you give to women now now that there's more awareness and there are helplines i mean i know obviously not enough shelters by the sounds of things um would you how would you uh say to somebody right now that's in that situation just to get out and see what they can do yeah well i, I think really calling that helpline they would be able to just talk it out with somebody that can relate and understand and just give it a voice because until we can speak it out, it's just locked inside of us and keeps us just stuck and frozen. So just being able to speak it out, a lot of times we're able to process it and be able to see through that vision of our words, our reality that's shining back at us, that what's happening really, you know, because yeah. Then, yeah so yeah. and I think if you don't have somebody, do call that helpline. Um, and they can also redirect you into a community place that is, um, able to help be a resource for you. And I think we've got to empower, as women, we've got to empower each other anyway yes. and really check in, right? Um, so I, I didn't ask you this. What is the cycle? You talked about that. And does that have something to do with the shame or what? what is, what is the cycle? 
Well, part of it, I guess, is just that normal way of being treated. When we've been in a codependency, and I'm not one because I, I never sat there and said, oh, it's all his fault and I blame him. You know, like I, I did actually see that there was a mental issue. I knew my first husband had a very abusive childhood, ran away from home at 12 years old and had a lot of stuff happen to him so he had was not able to process that and had a lot of anger built up and then when he drank then there was like there wasn't anybody home you know like it, it didn't matter if it was me in front of him or anybody else so right. yeah so it's it's um it's it's a case of really kind of really being an observer of your situation so that you can can really see what's happening uh, on a deeper level yeah and I often ask people to step outside of themselves and be witness to themselves and go would you allow your best friend or your child to be treated that way uh, you know to kind of kind of put it in perspective for them because when you're in it you're just in it right yeah and from outside but if you step outside and you go what are you doing and I understand that kind of going back thing because um, my mother would you know, say these terrible, wicked things, I swear. I know she was possessed at one point, and it was evil. And after a while, I go, oh, you know, she's sick, and she can't help it, and poor mom, you know. And I go back, and I go, what are you doing? The witness self would be going, what are you doing, Natasha? You know, it's going to be the same thing, but I'd still go back. Uh, the song The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel, you know, it says the box, uh, I forget how the words go now, but... Um, He's a boxer by his trade and he um, gives up everything to, just to keep going, just to get knocked down again. And I used to play that song all the time and go, what am I doing? Um, but, you know, she was my mother and I wanted my mother back. And at some point she had been, quote, normal. She had been a loving mother, I think. <laughs> and I wanted, I kept hoping, hoping that she would get better. Yeah. So, and now I say hope is the killer. It is. The killer. <laughs> what kept me going is like, he'll change. He's doing AA. He's going to quit drinking. And then, you know, but when I realized I was the only one that could change, that changed everything. Because once I worked on myself, then all my outer environment all changed. And the yeah. Going up. Mm -hmm. And the thing, the other thing too, I think is you have to uh, surrender and give up on that person becoming healthy because I think a lot of us get into those abusive relationships oh I can help this person I can make them feel better and it's I mean it's it's really a an inverted ego or something it's like who the hell do I think I am that I can change this person only they can change them and only I can change me I mean that so um I think the surrendering, and I find this a lot, that people do not want to let go. And no, no, if I just love him more, if I just stay a bit longer, if I, if I lose 10 pounds, it'll all be good. And it's like, no, it won't. No, it won't. Give it up. Give it up now before you go down with a sinking ship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's another thing why people hang on. Um, so how do we end the abuse, darling? I know that's a very big question. I don't mean to put it all on you, but what are your thoughts about how can we change the system so that, you know, we're not caught up in that system, men and women and children are caught up so much in it, and this is the end result? 
Well, I think having these conversations that we're having right now and bringing awareness around it and talking about it and bringing out that shame and that guilt around it so that people can um, have awareness that how much is happening and then, you know, realizing that it is stemming from childhood and beliefs and how we are showing up whether we have that self-love or value or we have that criticizing voice in our head saying, you're not enough, you're not good enough, this is what you deserve or, you know. So uh, a big part of that is our own inner work. And um, like I said, supporting the shelters, bringing more shelters in, having um, proper security in shelters because <laughs> there, there's one in Cranbrook. Everybody's like, oh, you mean the one on such and such street? And it's supposed to be a, a secret where the shelter is. So <laughs> there's definitely a lot of support we can do around um, the shelters so that women actually have a safe place to go so that they can calm the nervous system down. And, um, and getting more education around it, educating the teenagers and the younger children. This is not um, normal. This is not... Um, the way we we should treat each other and oh, no yeah no. And, and you know as you know I'm I'll be working during my hibernation I'm going to be working on a course uh, for teenagers uh, called uh, what am I calling it energy dynamics for the new generation and I want it to be a fresh start so that we really look at all our old patterns and the patterns that we've learned from our parents and grandparents and God bless them because that's all they knew but it's time to change it around. And if, you know, we can change one person in the family, sometimes we can change the whole dynamics of the family. I love what you said about the self-love because, um, you know, being a victim and being an abuser is like that imbalance, right? So the victim, uh, and really the abusers are the victims as well because I think a lot of times they've been very badly hurt. They've been bullied. Uh, they've been very damaged. Uh, but it's not okay, still not okay to just be, you know, we've all been hurt. We've all had rotten childhoods. So it's not okay to go and beat somebody up, right? Or yell at your kids or, uh, you know, drink yourself to death. It's not okay. And we've all got to step up to the plate now uh, to make this a better society. And I think that's one of the beautiful gifts we're going to get out of this coronavirus if people take advantage of it. If they don't, oh, well, they're back in the old place. But moving forward, we can all do this if we step up. So um, what are the resources for women and children? And are there resources for men? Well, there's really not much for men. Um, we, we talked in Cranbrook um, to the community center there and the lady was just like, oh my gosh, I need you people out there because she's got, you know, like there's so many kids growing up, even from the gang members and, and stuff like that, Who that's who she was dealing with and they're, you know, teenagers and, or late teens and they all they have to base on is, is violence in their life. So really beginning to change it from the core level and reaching these kids through schools and other resources. And um, Michael's putting up on here the helplines of places to go um, and get some resources. Um, and Canada.org, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like we said, the women's resources, the women's shelters, the helplines, um, and join us in our workshops uh there there is a few you know it's starting to be pretty 
a little bit more popular with people working with around people that have been in abuse and, and trauma. So, yeah. So uh, one of my clients, hi, Teresa, um, she said here to get rid of the shame, the victim needs to understand it happened to them. It wasn't them that made it happen. Mm -hmm. That's that's really, I think, uh, a very good point because I felt, you know, when I was being abused and then, of course, my mother abused me. And then, of course, I went out into the world and I expected to be uh, not as well treated. I wasn't I wouldn't say I was abused, but uh, I was definitely and I could not accept um, people loving me. It took me it took me for. Well, I, I would say into, into my 50s, people would say, oh, I love you. And I go, what are you talking about? Because it was just so I just had this, such this uh, um, toxic, I would say, version of myself that my mother had given me. And I thought, well. She must know. Uh, she's my mother. Maybe, you know, if you've got a husband that keeps saying that, you say, well, he must know. He lives with me, right? Um, so it's you giving your power away to that person as to who you are, as to who you are. And often I'll say to people, you decide, only you can decide who you want, who you are and who you want to become. Yeah. And, and also people base their value on what other people think, like you said, you know, so it's like giving away your power by it's like, oh, well, they think I'm not good or they think I'm, you know, and so it's right. really taking that power back and deciding I have value or I am worth a lot. And I am, <laughs> you know. And, yeah, absolutely. And every single child and teenager and woman and man on this planet absolutely mm -hmm. is a spark of the divine. They're a miracle they were, they were born. There are no accidents. They're meant to be here. We all have gifts and challenges. And it's our job, I feel, to bring these gifts out of these challenges, no matter how bad it was at the time, is to make something out of this. So, uh, Darlene, I'm going to ask you now about your workshops because and the five keys. So where do you want to begin with that? You tell me. <laughs> well, um Michael and I, my husband and I, we are do we've done a series of workshops. We've been going into communities doing these workshops, but now we're offering them online. Good. <laughs> Freedom, and it's from uh, I do believe the twenty fourth to the twenty seventh of April. So not next week, but the following week, and um, we have an event which I'm sure Michael will share it here on the screen, so people know how to find it. And we're going to just break it down. So the first part, we talk about fear versus love and trying to bring people to a zero point. Because when we're in a state of fear, we're held frozen. The nervous system is on fight or flight, shuts down all the organs and the systems to keep the adrenaline going on. So the first part, we really talk about that. And uh, what it looks like to be in like what um, abusive relationship would look like from beginning and what a healthy relationship would look like. And then the, another piece into that is change. We know everything's in constant change, but it's one of the things we resist more. So as uncomfortable as it is being in these re, um, abusive relationships, it is our comfort zone. And to know that once we break through that comfort zone, there's our hopes and dreams and amazingness on the other side of that. So that's another big piece that we talk about in, in the beginning. So, and then the, the middle part of the workshop, so probably about day two, <laughs> will be the vulnerability and courage. So how do we get vulnerable enough to actually break through that comfort zone and really look at you know some of these uh, beliefs and programs and things that, 
are dysfunctional so that we can change it into um, a positive basis for us to show up in a belief pattern that is built on worth and love. And then the five keys at the masterclass day is really tapping into those tools, that self-love, the, what is their imagination and dreaming and uh, life force. Um, so there's, I'll just touch on a couple of them like that. But um, Michael, he brings in, he has martial arts and Tai Chi. And so he really brings in the energy piece of it. So when we can really tap into that personal energy force that runs within us, it starts to build up momentum and we start to get stronger. And when that can happen, we can create that change in our life and it becomes a force to help move us forward. Um, so that's kind of our basis of our workshops. It sounds amazing, darling. I'm so happy you're doing this work. I just wish I'd known about you when I was 17, but you wouldn't have been ready for me either. So um, you mentioned uh, imagination. And there's a set, and you mentioned Wayne Dyer. So um, I've got this calendar with some of his sayings, and I really miss Wayne Dyer because he was such an amazing force in the world. And appropriately, I picked this the other day. When you create a great longing, the experience of a peaceful family, everything will be begin to happen to fulfill this yearning spontaneously and naturally. And what I'm often, you know, talking about as a quantum healer is let's change our reality. And the way we do that is to, um, I don't like this movie. This is not what I thought I signed up for. So I'm going to pick a new movie. What does that new movie look like? And this is what I think Wayne Dyer is saying. When we get into that happier uh, uh, picture and movie where there's a happy ending, um, we're actually lifting our frequency, lifting our vibration. We sometimes change our body language and we're not, feeling so disempowered anymore. We're feeling confident, happier. This is just a tiny tool. It's not going to solve it forever. But I know that if you pray and say, thank you, God, for my new happy family, whether it be the people that are in your home or, you know, you get adopted out and you end up on a beautiful farm somewhere with really lovely people and you're taking care of dogs and cats and things like that, you're going to attract that, that new situation to you. But it's, as I say, there's a lot of work to be done because these situations have come down from generations of stuff. It's not just you and not your fault. It's a system that we're in. But as individuals, we can work to change the system, right? Oh, and uh, I, I was just going to add just a tiny bit to your imagination. I was never taught to dream. When you're in those such circumstances, you're literally surviving and that's all you're doing. You're not, it's not living. So that's why we want people to start nurturing that imagine. And even if it, they may not even, I, it, I'm just beginning to dream about the future now, but even if it's just a happy place in our imagination where we can go, where we feel safe and at peace, it changes, like you said, the whole um, emotional state that we're at and yeah. it gets us into a better place so that we start attracting that in. And there's another thing I like to teach children, especially because, and adults, because it's so simple. Uh, and I do this for myself. I do this for my husband. I put it around my house. And it's just put um, myself or, or people I love or even people that I love, that I don't love, that are maybe the nasty ones, putting white bubbles around everybody. So that it's like a laser-like shell that keeps you safe inside and the only energy that can get in there 
is the energy that you give permission to come in. So nobody can hurt you on the physical, the emotional, or the psychic level. So just imagine, uh, kids, if you're out there, if you're listening, put yourself in this little bubble, or women, or men, whoever you are, and and also uh, put that white bubble around the people that are abusing because I'm sure they don't really want to be behaving like this. They're probably feeling horrible inside as well, and they may feel out of control or like they don't have the strength to behave in any other way. Uh, and they may well be sick. They may be suffering from something. So put the white bubble of light around them. Uh, send them your compassion, but take care of you first. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Darlene? Absolutely. And I, I really know they feel horrible inside because how they're showing up in the world is how they're feeling inside. So you got to know they, they feel horrible inside and they're angry and they're mean and they're nasty and hurt. Yeah. And they're hurt. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, finding a big key for that is finding a way to release those emotions in a safe way so that we're not projecting it out on other people is huge. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think sports can be good for that or running, um, getting out of the house and running, not getting in the car. Please don't get in the car. Uh, don't, you know, resort to the bottle, although a lot of people are anyway at this time. Um, maybe, you know, what I did with uh, in one of my relationships because uh, he was uh, yellow. He wasn't physically abusive, not at all, and wasn't mean. But he he had come from an abusive household. And I said, why are you yelling? He said, well, I'm afraid you won't hear me. So I bought us each a journal. And I said, you know, when you're feeling like that, just write down what you're feeling and then leave it for me. So um, he could ensure in that way that he could say what he wanted to say, that I would read it, that I would listen to him. And it started off all angry and, well, you did this and you did that. And, well, my poor, of course. And then it, it ended up being, oh, but you're amazing and I love you and I'm so sorry. And, and so he just worked his way through that. And there could be seven or eight pages. And it was wonderful because I'd write back to him then, you know, and I'd say, speaking my truth, well, I was angry and upset when you said this, right? So we worked it out. It's not for everybody, but it might be a tool for some people. Uh, but I think being physical, getting on the treadmill, going for a run uh, can be a great way. Um, meditating although probably when you're in that state you don't want to sit down and be calm and meditate like you said, don't get in the car but get in the car shut the doors and yell yell it out punch yes. it out. you know if there's something that's harmless to like just get it out of your body then do that you know like but exercise you know, yeah yeah and this is funny but something i used to do or still do occasionally is go in the bathroom and sing and just because i can't sing i just belt out belt something and that was their punishment. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, anything where you get into that heightened awareness is just being responsible with your own energy. Um, so Melody is saying, this time of isolation, I'm worried about the increase of abuse and female and children as everyone seems to be so stressed. Absolutely. And this is why, Melody, we're having these conversations. And um, I don't know. I think I'd like to hear from if any women who are listening who are feeling abused, um, is your email on here, Darlene, as well? Can uh, they contact I, I don't know, but you can do um, Darlene and Michael Turner at gmail.com. Okay. So Darlene and Michael Turner at gmail.com or myself, you can go to my website, natasharosewood.com. All my information is there. And just let us know if you need help 
and then I'll probably refer you to Darlene or if I can help you in my way, I will. But let's have women reach out more and let's have this conversation. And men too, I mean, it's got to be, uh, I want to say even more shaming maybe for men to admit that they've been beaten up by their spouse. And that's got to be much more unreported and more hidden. But having seen my mother attack my father, I know it does happen. Yeah. And he just kind of try and fend her off. So uh, to anybody, nobody should be being abused. It's not the way we're meant to be living with each other at all. And we um, men and women into our workshop. There, it's not specifically for women okay. or men. But if there is uh, some women or men that have an issue with being in the same workshop, please email me and we can work on some stuff privately, separately, so that uh, you're comfortable. Okay. So do you just want to mention the title of the workshop again, Darlene, and then we'll go, we'll come wrap this one up. The Path to Freedom from Abusive Relationships. Easy peasy. Beautiful. Easy peasy. <laughs> and your, web, your website is? Uh, well, we, it's um, victim to victory forward slash learn more. So it's a landing. And, there it is. and then in that you'll see a video from me and Michael. You'll learn more about kind of what the workshop's about and yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to end this. We're going to do a little thing, shout out and a prayer. But I want to end this by saying thank you for coming on. Thank you for the work you're doing. And I'm so happy that you're happily married now. And I'm so happy I'm happily married. So uh, I want to tell everybody that's going through something like this, there is a gift in it. And in some ways, um, I'm thankful to my mother. I learned so much and it's given me a whole, my whole purpose in life is to heal other people and I've been able to help thousands and thousands of people uh, with what they've gone through. So there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is a gift in this if you look for the gift. So it's not all bad news and you will get through it. And if you need, if you don't have a person, you know who to talk to. Talk to the guy upstairs, the creator of the universe, your higher power, your guardian angels, you've got them all there with you, but they won't interfere. They want to be asked for your help. So you're never, ever alone. Um, so thanks again to Darlene for coming on. Uh, as always, at the end of these videos, I want to send out a huge thank you to the medical staff, everybody that's on the front line, the grocery stores, the pharmacies, the volunteers, uh, the manufacturers, anybody that's out there doing work so that the rest of us can stay home and stay safe. And I'm sending white light to all of you. Blessings. Great karma, guys. Great, great karma. And um, just, you know, stay safe and really try and take care of yourselves. I know that's easier said than done at this time. And we're praying that you get everything you need to stay safe. Um, and then I want to do a little meditation now. And... <clears throat> I'm going to try an experiment. I'm going to start some crystal balls and I'm going to invite you if you're online or if you want to join me right now is just to uh, close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath in through the nose and exhale through the mouth. Imagining that as you focus on your breath, you are inviting your guardian angels, your spirit guides, your deceased loved ones to come and be with you at this time 
as we go through these challenging and interesting times. Just inhale joy, exhale any kind of stress that you're feeling, the stress of being maybe in your home, being in a difficult relationship, maybe being afraid. Just inhale joy, exhale fear. Inhale happiness, exhale stress. Inhale peace, exhale discomfort. Inhale safety, exhale not feeling safe where you are. Just knowing that you are now safe. You are surrounded by this beautiful white light. And as you inhale, this shell of white light that surrounds your physical body and your aura is your protection. This beautiful white gold light is made of the highest frequency there is, of the highest love. And you are the babe within this shell of light, completely protected physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. You are now safe and protected by these white guardians of light. Take a nice deep breath in. And just stay with the breath for a while. Breath being your life, being safe to breathe in and breathe out, that you are loved, you are cherished, you are a spark of the divine, and you have a right to be here, and you have a right to be who you are. Breathe in and exhale. Exhaling all that negativity into that beautiful crystal ball that hovers just above your physical body. And then handing that physical ball over to your guardian angels and letting them take it away from you, all that negativity, all that fear, and transmute it into something very beautiful. Something you can dream about and enjoy and visualize and dream. And now they are bringing this beautiful gift back to you in your crystal ball. What is there? Is that a nice, peaceful family? Is that forgiveness? Is that new friends, new allies, a way out? Are you being given a gift from your angels of power and strength and confidence? Knowing that that is your divine right. You deserve the very best and all the love in the world. As you give love, so do you receive it from the universe and perhaps from strangers who are being sent to support you at this time. Know that you are blessed 
you are gifted, you are loved, and you are safe. Amen, so be it, and so it is. When you're ready, you can slowly open your eyes and come back to your present space and know that you are loved. I want to thank Darlene for coming on here. Thank you so much, Darlene. This thank is amazing. You, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, is there, you know, if you came back to talk further into this, do you have more topics you think you'd like to address? Um, oh, definitely. There's lots to talk about around it. Um, I didn't even talk about what well, we did a little bit, but about having a voice around it, you know, like I yes. this is just new this past, I guess it's about 10 months that I've started to even talk about it. So, yeah. Okay. Well, how about this? Um, we can confirm this later, but that you come back in a month, you know, and we invite people to send in their emails, their questions, their situations, their stories, and maybe their victory stories as well, not just the victim stories, right? Yeah. Uh, we want to hear on the other side as well. So, uh, you know, I'm sure all of us at some time have been at the, uh, you know, been the victim in this situation. We might have been um, the uh, the abuser. So, um, it, and, I, and I talk about this in lifetimes. When we go through lifetimes, sometimes we've been on that side and sometimes we've been on this side. So it's not all the bad guys and all the good guys. You know, I think we have to we have a shadow side as well. Mm -hmm. And we have to make peace with that, I think, sometimes as victims before we can have compassion and then step into our power again. Yeah. Makes sense? The story of the little soul um, by Donald Walsh. Uh, maybe we can share that sometime because that really gives a whole nother perspective on it and it opens up for forgiveness. Okay. Well, thank you. And uh, I want to hear from everybody. It's up to all of us to break this vicious cycle of abuse and let's be kind. What a concept. It's not difficult and it makes you feel good, keeps you young. And it's very good for the skin to be kind, isn't it, darling? Yeah, I mean, we grow younger as the more kind and compassionate we are, we actually grow younger. So it's. Uh, I think so. I think so. You should have seen me when I was 22. I looked ancient. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to sign off now. Namaste, everybody. Be kind, be safe. And remember, count to 10 before you yell. I go outside, take some fresh air, and then come back in and speak kindly. Amen, so be it, and so it is. And thank you, Michael, for being an awesome producer, an awesome husband. <laughs> to Darlene. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.